Welcome to this Peer Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash EVJ. This educational activity is supported by an independent educational grant from Vive Healthcare. Vive Healthcare was not involved in the development of content or selection of faculty for this educational activity. Welcome to this Peer Voice activity on multi drug resistant HIV. This activity comprises five streaming episodes with Professor Jose R. Arribas. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Hello, everybody. My name is Jose Arribas uh, from the Autonoma University School of Medicine and also La Paz University Hospital in Madrid, Spain. I'm an HIV physician and researcher, and it's a pleasure to welcome you to these five uh, short episodes, episodes in which I'm going to provide a brief overview of the factors to consider when choosing a treatment for drug-resistant HIV and the profiles of current and emerging therapeutic options in this scenario. So episode one is multi-drug resistant HIV, the drive towards reducing cases. So we have available in 2022 seven HIV drug classes, non-nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitors, nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitors, protease inhibitors, fusion inhibitors, CCR5 antagonists, integrated strand transfer inhibitors, and attachment and post-attachment inhibitors that they uh, work as entry inhibitors. Despite the wealth of options that we have to treat uh, HIV, there are still uh, people with HIV that are heavily treatment experienced. Uh, there is no a common standard definition for highly treatment experience or HTE. Uh, for clinical trials in general, this population is described as having two or less antiretroviral classes available for use with limit, limited fully active agents within each class. In this activity, we will use this definition. The good news uh, for everybody taking care of people with HIV as is that the number of uh, persons with HIV with limited treatment options is decreasing. This is um, a study from um, the AIDS Research Network of Integrated Clinical Systems in the States. And you can see there um, the annual prevalence of people with HIV with limited treatment options among art experienced patients. Um, and you can see that this number, this um, uh, uh, proportion of, part of participants is decreasing. You can see that um, uh, in, in the last decade, the number of people with limited treatment options have been decreasing. That is good news. If we move to Europe, you can see here another study looking at prevalence of highly treatment experience. And please note that the definition here is less strict uh, than from the American cohort. You can see that overall 10.4% uh, of Eurocida individuals followed were highly treatment experienced, again with a less strict definition of highly treatment experience. Uh, but it's important there are uh, considerable uh, geographical differences. The range uh, spans from 1.1% to 15.7% depending on the region.
So the good news about this Eurocida cohort is that the outcomes of highly treatment experienced people with HIV in Europe has clearly improved. You can see in the slide the virologic and immunological outcomes of these individuals uh, versus controls who are not highly treatment experienced and you can see that the majority, the immense majority of them achieve virologic control equally than non-highly treatment experienced uh, people with HIV. So this is a testimony to the um, new drugs that we have to treat highly treatment experienced uh, people living with HIV. So uh, uh, these drugs that we can use for highly treatment experience uh, appear in this slide. We have a post-attachment inhibitor, a humanized monoclonal antibody called Ivalizumab that is given by IV infusion and is administered uh, every two weeks. Is approved at FDA and EMA, but is not commercially available in Europe, although you can um, get this drug on an individual basis. We have also Fostensavir, that is an oral drug given twice daily and is an attachment inhibitor approved by FDA and EMA. And we have the first representative from the capsid inhibitor class, Lenacapavir, that can be given orally or by subcutaneous injection. And this is a long-acting drug. It can be given up to every six months uh, subcutaneously. And it's been approved by EMA for the treatment of highly treatment experienced uh, patients. Now, here's the challenge question. Thank you for your attention. Please join us for the next episode. Welcome to this Pure Voice activity on multidrug-resistant HIV. This is Episode 2 of 5, presented by Professor Jose R. Arribas. Welcome back to this activity. In Episode 2, I will discuss a case study. So the case is a 22-year-old male with wild-type HIV. It's an MSM that has been diagnosed with HIV just six months ago. This uh, person had wild-type HIV in resistance testing. Um, no hepatitis B or C co-infection, had a viral load of 153,000 copies per ml, a high CD4 cell count of almost 600. His initial antiretroviral therapy consisted of a recommended regimen of TDF, FTC plus dolutegravir. Had a very good initial response at the, at the third month, the viral load was undetectable, but at six and eight months, have a low level viral rebound of 150 copies per ml and 120 copies per ml respective, respectively. And with this low viral load, no resistant testing was possible. So why is his viral load unstable? Why he went from having a suppressed viral load to have low-level viral rebound? And what is the most appropriate treatment option for this person? Whenever we see uh, patients uh, having uh, re virologic rebounds or even full-blown virologic failure in HIV, as you can see in this slide, there is a complex interaction uh, between the patient the virus and the treatment. Uh, issues related with the patients are challenges to adherence due to comorbidities, 
psychosocial factors, poor access to care, cost, and very importantly, adverse events and tolerability. Factors related to the virus are persistence of resistant strains uh, coming from prior failures, uh, primary resistance, this was not the case with our patients, or higher pretreatment RNA. And also there can be issues related to treatment like suboptimal PKPD, suboptimal potency, allogenetic barrier, or drug-drug interactions with non-antiretrovirals. So we have to look at these different domains and try to find out which of, of them is the reason for the viral rebound or virologic uh, failure. It's very important always checking for adherence in, in our clinics and remembering that non-adherence to art can be multifactorial and may include a combination of adverse effects, mental and physical comorbidities, medication procurement. This, uh, fortunately, in public health services in Europe, this is not usually the case, but sometimes with, for example, immigrants, we have trouble with um, getting medications for them. Also, pill burden, difficulty swallowing, or overall treatment fatigue. And also, there are factors, psychosocial factors, like a stigma, the stigma of having to take medications that uh, might impact adherence to antiretroviral therapy. One uh, tool that we have to improve adherence uh, in people with HIV is to give them uh, the treatment, the oral treatment, as simple as possible. And we are fortunate that we have uh, medications that can be given as a single pill. And this meta-analysis comparing uh, multi-tablet uh, multi regimens versus single-tablet regimens, there are many comparisons. I pick just the probability of achieving virologic suppression. It's clearly that when you compare multiple um, treatment re uh, tablet regimens versus single tablet regimens, the meta-analysis fa favor to take just one pill. So a possible reason for the viral rebound in this patient is that he might have selective non-adherence because he's taking two pills. He's taking the TDF-FTC co-formulated and then separately dolutegravir. So for me, well, I will discuss this with the person and one possibility to improve adherence will be to switch them, switch him to a single tablet regimen with TAF-FTC-Bitegravir or Dolutegravir-3TC to avoid selective non-adherence. Now, here's the challenge question. Thank you for your attention. Please join us for the next episode. Welcome to this Pure Voice activity on multidrug-resistant HIV. This is Episode 3 of 5, presented by Professor Jose R. Arribas. Welcome back to this activity. In, in, in this next episode, I will discuss a case study. The case is a 65-year-old male with wild-type HIV. He is an MSM that was diagnosed with HIV 10 years ago. In, at baseline, before starting uh, antiretroviral therapy, had wild-type HIV, has no hepatitis B or C co-infection. Pre-art, the viral load was 53,000 copies per ml, and the CD4 cell count was 567. Initial art was TDF, FTC, and efavirenz, and two years ago, 
he was switched to an integrase inhibitor-based regimen with TAF, FTC, and raltegravir QD. He's a very adherent uh, patient, has, was always undetectable on TDF, FTC, and efavirenz. Most recent CD4 cell count is very good, 875. Six months ago, viral load was 567 copies per ml without mutations detected in genotypic testing. And three months ago, again, low-level viral rebound, 123 copies per ml, and the uh, resistant testing could not be performed because of the low viral load. Two questions in this case. Unlike the previous individual, he is adhering to his treatment. Why is his viral load unstable? And what is the most appropriate treatment option for this person? One of the uh, reasons why a patient can have a viral rebound is drug-drug interactions. It's something that we always have to check when we see viral rebound. Uh, we have to remember that this is common for integrase inhibitors, in this case for raltegravir. The raltegravir absorption is reduced when co-administered with antiacids containing divalent metal ions like aluminium and or magnesium containing antiacids that they should be avoided. Um, however, uh, other um, gastric acid inhibitors like proton pump inhibitors or H2 antagonists can be used. You can see here from the European AIDS Clinical Society guidelines that with raltegravir QD, we cannot give uh, this type of um, cation containing antiacids. This is uh, one of the possibilities in this patient that the reason for um, his viral, uh, uh, viral load rebound is an interaction with antiacids. So the recommendation will be to stop antiacids and consider a proton pump inhibitor. So always um, look when you see a viral uh, rebound, the possibility of interaction. Integrase inhibitors are great because they in general have a very good pharmacokinetic profile. Now, here's the challenge question. Thank you for your attention. Please join us for the next episode. Welcome to this Pure Voice activity on multidrug resistant HIV. This is episode 4 of 5, presented by Professor Jose R. Arribas. Welcome back. In this next episode, I will discuss a case study. This is a 56-year-old Spaniard, cisgender male, diagnosed with HIV in 1992, so a long time ago. Uh, this patient is in trouble. As you can see, the CD4 cell count is very low, 28. His HIV RNA is very high, more than 1 million copies per ml. The current antiretroviral therapy is a combination of TDF, FTC, Darunavir, Ritonavir, BID, and Maraviruk, and he has oral candidiasis and Wastin. He has a long uh, history of different antiretroviral treatments, started on ACT monotherapy, also his experience with other NRTIs and NRTIs, was a participant in the total trial that evaluated the fusion inhibitor T20, also a participant, unfortunately for him, in the placebo arm of the DUET study that used Darunavir, Ritonavir, Etravirin, plus minus T20, 
experience uh, with expanded access programs of Raltegravir. And you can see that also has experience with all many other antiretroviral medications, including NRTIs, uh, PIs, and NNRTIs, and as is current regimen, also with CCR5 inhibitors. If we look at the Stanford database, uh, the results of his genotypic resistant testing has a very nasty virus. You can see that is basically resistance has high level resistance to all NRTIs is um, with tenofovirus intermediate resistance, but we know with these mutations that he has three, these three times the activity of tenofovirus severely compromised. Also fully resistance to PIs. And also this is the only good part has for mutations for integrase inhibitors only E92Q and N155HI that confers only intermediate resistance to dolutegravir. So this is a very highly treatment experience uh, patient because also has resistance to fusion inhibitors to T20, uh, V38M and V38A. Uh, you don't have to know all these mutations by heart. You can always check them in the Stanford database um, uh, webpage. Uh, also, another bad news for this person as he uh, had an HIV tropism test performed in April 2009 and he had dual mixed R5X4 tropic virus. So the Maravir uh, treatment, the CCR5 inhibitor, would not be active. In 2022, we are fortunate we, we can tackle uh, the viruses as resistant as the one as I just described. Uh, so we can summarize uh, the patient has NRTI, NNRTI, PI, and some integrase inhibitor resistance. The only uh, good uh, thing is that this intermediate resistance to Bictegravir and Dolutegravir is resistant to fusion inhibitors and, and, and also CCR5 inhibitors non-active. So a possible option in 2022 is to design a new regimen, including uh, because has mutations for uh, integrase inhibitors, but uh, we need to use the lutegravir BID. And also I will include in the rescue regimen Forstensavir and Lenacapavir. The good uh, news about this drug is because they have a completely different mechanism of action. There is no cross resistance with the mutations that we've seen for NRTIs, NRTIs, PIs, and integrase inhibitors. And also, if available, it will be a good candidate for at least at the beginning for inducing virologic control with Ivalizumab, that because also has a different mechanism of action, is a blocker of the CD4 uh, and GP120 interaction, will be also uh, a good option. Now, Here's the challenge question. Thank you for your attention. Please join us for the next episode. Welcome to this Pure Voice activity on multidrug resistant HIV. This is episode 5 of 5, presented by Professor Jose R. Arribas. Welcome back. In, in, in this next episode, I will discuss a case study. The case is a 70 year old male uh, person with HIV. It's an MSM. Um, has no hepatitis B or C co-infection. 
is highly treatment experience, is resistance to all NRTIs and NRRTIs, although uh, he does not have darunavir resistance mutations and no integrase inhibitor mutations. Currently is receiving darunavir uh, covisistat plus dolutegravir plus 3TC. So it has uh, two active, uh, completely active drugs in the regimen. Uh, but uh, he had recently been diagnosed with non-valvular atrial fibrillation and need to start apixaban as an anticoagulant. The two questions are, what are the key considerations required for this individual and what, uh, what is the most appropriate treatment option for this individual? Whenever we start a new medication in a patient who's taking antiretroviral therapy, we have to consider drug-drug interactions. This is something that we have to do in all patients, but it's particularly important in persons who are taking a regimen included, including a booster, such as Covisistat or uh, Ritonavir. Apixaban cannot be given with regimens that contain Ritonavir or, or Covisistat because uh, they will increase the levels of Apixaban and will increase the risk of bleeding. Um, Apixaban cannot be given with a non-nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitor because they can they are inducers of CYP3A4 and decrease the levels of Apixaban. There is no problem with NRTIs and there is no problem with raltegravir, dolutegravir or dictegravir. In this patient is taking darunavir covisistat and because he has to take Apixaban we have to stop darunavir covisistat, but he is highly treatment experienced, so we have to substitute uh, darunavir covisistat uh, for another uh, active drug. Fortunately, we have several options. Fostensavir has only a weak interaction with apixaban and is a possibility. Ivalizumab is a humanized monoclonal antibody and there is no interaction whatsoever with apixaban. Alenacapavir um, can be given also with apixaban. Although it's a substrate for, for CYP3A4 and PGP, there is no need uh, for those adjustments uh, with a, when it's given with uh, apixaban. So a possible option for this patient is to stop darunavir covisistat and put, there is the potential for substituting for uh, fostensavir that will be oral, ivalizumab that will be IV biweekly or lenacapavir that is given initially orally and then subcutaneously and can be salonactin and can be given every six months. Now here is the challenge question. Thank you for your attention. This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.